Hey, welcome to the Heavy Hole. My name's Tom. My name is Big Will, a.k.a. Big Old Bucket Full of Echo Cooler. Ooh. My, yeah, my name's Justin. Hey, I actually did, I don't know, I, uh, I, I saw the new Ghostbusters or the newer one. And, uh, wait, wait, what's the, wait? Because there was like the there was the one with with all the female Ghostbusters, and yeah, then there the, was the one that was like Stranger Things with old Bill Murray. Is that come out yet? Or? The SNL one, the, yeah, the SNL I don't, ladies, the, one. The, the ladies one, the ladies yeah. Chris Hemsworth flipping the script, changing how people think and perceive people. That's the initiative. The best part of that movie was when Chris Hemsworth was throwing sandwiches or getting sandwiches thrown at him. <laughs> I haven't seen it, but I'm sure it's the best. Sorry to spoil it, Tom. I walked out of a preview of that and walked back into the theater when the regular movie started playing that I was there for around the time it came out. True story. But listen, uh, a lot more cool ectoplasmic things at hand on the Heavy Hole podcast. But first, That's I right. hope your guys' weekend was not ectoplasmic because I don't know who you're going to call for that one. Uh Tom, we're going to get to you, Justin, but I'm going to let you cool down over there, all right? Uh, there, was, there was a ghost. There was yeah. a ghost. Justin's in the containment system, all right? Let's not cross the streams as we parlay over to Tom. How was your weekend? My weekend was good. I didn't do much. I went to the beach. Whoa. I got some color. Oh, whoa. I fed peanuts to chipmunks. That That's not a normal beach thing. That that's, Well, that was not at the beach. Yeah. That, that, was, a, <laughs> that was a separate not, event. Okay. Yeah, that's what you do instead of fishing, all right? That's, that's what I do. Yes, I let them go. That's what weirdos do at the beach. Eh, you know, I had a great time. I got to show you this video in a bit. It's a lot of fun. You watch these chipmunks. Tom feeding a chipmunk. It's, well, the chipmunks, you put the peanuts up there, yeah. you know, with the shell. It's pretty big for a chipmunk. Okay. So I got right up and close there with, with my phone, set up a little trap. Yeah. You watch these chipmunks. They're adorable. Shove three, three whole peanuts. Hilarious. Like six individual nuts with the shell in their mouth Uh uh-huh giant wow if you like videos of adorable furry funny chipmunks wait till i play you chippendales rescue rangers the classic disney animated television love that love that movie um Look, can I? It was, can I actually, it was a show. He said movie. It was a show. It was a movie. Oh, was they a, did all Rescue Rangers down things. under. Oh, oh, I guess I'm the real poser now. Like, oh, look. Um, they did a would split. you have? Would they you guys? The rescue, they did the Rescue Rangers split with Agathocles too. Whoa. Would you guys <laughs> mind if I put these chipmunk videos on the Heavy Hole YouTube channel? Would uh, that would that be too off? As long as it's legal in all 50 states. Yeah, dude. Nuts and mouths on the Heavy Hole. That's Whoa. what I'm doing. Now, but. now you can. Okay. Now did I ruin it? Justin ruined it for you. <laughs> Damn it. I was all I was game. I was down. <laughs> I still got the password. We'll see what happens this week. Yeah. Respectfully nuts and mouths of chipmunks, <laughs> oh, right? God. Respectfully. Do yeah. I want to get into Justin's weekend? I don't know. I actually do. I want to know. I, I don't really know what, do. I don't want to know about Justin's weekend. I want to know what happened in the last 24 hours cuz Justin like yeah, Justin first Tom and I were setting up and we we Justin hadn't responded to the group text. We called him. We're like, "Where's Justin?" We're Starting to get worried. Might might have to cancel the interview tonight and just go out in the street with flashlights and, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, riffs. Just play riffs and see if he comes. What What's going on with you? You'll have to wait for the the, the new season of the Lisk documentary. Oh, yeah. Doing yeah. That? The, the, the Gilgo murderers. 
Uh, yeah, I dressed sexy and I got murdered by the Gilgo Beach killer. <laughs> That's a shame. Um, oh, they let they let uh, Officer Burke out of jail. Oh, let him out. <laughs> oh, what? So so so. Listen, no, yeah. seriously. What's I, up? There were reports What's going on. Uh, Heavy hole. Some of the some of the listeners reported that you were washed up on the beach. Yeah, dude, I had a mouthful of sand. Uh, yeah, man, I just whatever. Uh, overnight fishing trip. Uh, hmm. Tequila, clams, uh, four bunker. Um, and and throwing plugs, man, and, and making fires. We burn wood, questionable wood, you know? The wood you just find, it's got nails, might have yeah. chemicals, doesn't really matter. But uh, caught my first bass of the year. I'm very excited about that. I think Tom got questionable wood watching them chipmunk videos. Oh, yeah, dude. That's ridiculous. Oh, That's ridiculous boy. Things there say. we go. My man got the first bass of the year. I'm wow. just jealous yeah. that, that Justin really? is like... It's a rude thing to Justin say. is like sleeping on the beach, chugging tequila, catching bass. I haven't gone fishing this year yet. I've been doing all this other stuff. Yeah. I, this morning was was great. Uh, is it still morning for you, though? Yeah. <laughs> he's, talk, he's talking about a half hour ago. I'm trying to go back, too. You can't keep me off. Uh, <laughs> I'm... Try, like I, my goal is by uh, the fall to have the most leathery skin. Right. Uh, I don't believe in sunscreen anymore. You know what I mean? Talk about your vaccines, your anti-vax. I'm anti-screens. <laughs> anti-screens. I'm not taking any screens. Yeah. Cuomo's, uh, Cuomo's going to give you a free balloon if you get the sunscreen. Yeah, all my storm doors are glass only. There's no screens anywhere. Windows open all the time. So I'm I trying think to Justin, get that. Ju- like this podcast is just a two-hour break from drinking tequila on the beach. He walked up. <laughs> he walked up to your house from the beach, and he's just walking back down when this is over. Oh, God, that's up, so man. funny! Yeah, I just walked the beach from the South Shore all the way around back up here to the North Shore. <laughs> yeah, wa- you know, surf the island, walk the island. It's been great, but uh, yeah, yeah, I'll have that decrepit Bill skin in no time. That's nice, awesome. really fun. Nice. I look yeah. forward to it. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, so that's that's about it for me, man. Oh. Who else had a weekend? Will, I, well, as you know, I work Saturdays, so my weekend is uh, it's not your average weekend. It's a nonconformist weekend, right? It's you know I'm I'm a nonconformist. I have my weekend on Sunday into Monday. Take that, Henry I, Ford. I work all day Saturday. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm I'm a little wild out there, but uh, since Monday is the new Sunday for Big Will, uh, uh, I got to enjoy this uh, masker merch. Don't get out of bed fest. Um, that's right. This is a shameless plug because. With it's the COVID-19 pandemic affecting so many artists and the industry as a whole, this endeavor was created to give fans amazing lifestyle footage while giving bands an outlet and means to perform and earn income. This event is non-streaming, so once the pre-order has concluded, you will be emailed a link where you can download and own the footage to watch time and time and time and time again. Tickets are going to be $20. We hope you enjoy this diverse, exciting lineup that involves awesome bands from around the globe. There is something for everyone, and your support goes directly to these bands. Lineup includes Xenobiotic, Wormhole, Tombs, Stillbirth, Hardy Cannon, Hat, Engulf, Cognitive, Corpsest, Carnation, Barishi, and Afterbirth. That's why Big Will's getting all funky on this big promo, all right? So, in all reality, I think it's a good price for all those bands. With Afterbirth, we took the time to film you guys a beautiful, handsome studio session where we're playing the music. Uh, so go check it out. Support the scene. Um, in all, in all, all seriousness, uh, I thought they did a good job of slapping that little online fest together and doing it. Um, shout out to Masker Merch. Uh, check out Masker Merch if you want more info on that. So that that was uh, my um, my cute little day watching watching cute little guys play the music. 
Mm. Cute little guys. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm also, I'm working on the leather skin myself. I don't know if you guys noticed, I'm a... I'm a, I'm a funky lobster complexion right now. I'm yeah. planting trees. You do look weathered today. Yeah, planting trees, um, doing it for the environment, for the future. Thinking about the future. Hell I'm yeah. Plant- no, I just want privacy in my backyard. Yes. I don't. If I, listen, if I want to stand out on my back uh, porch wearing nothing but a size 4X cognitive t shirt, uh, that should be my, my business. So we. I got to put these trees up on the property, make sure nobody can sneak a peek. Right. You know what I'm saying? Well, watch out for chipmunks. You, yeah, know, you, know, you never know when you're going to end up. Oh, yeah. this. Oh, my <laughs> God. Tom Tom segued it back into these chipmunks. Dude, he really loves those little I think guys. we got our next shirt idea where it's just like a heavy hole, like surf and turf. And it's just all chipmunks and trees. <laughs> <laughs> and fucking waves. Oh, boy. <laughs> Can't wait to show you this video. Well, listen, <laughs> I don't know that I've ever fed chipmunks on a beach. Uh, here in New York, I don't even know if they have beaches or chipmunks in Alabama at all. But tonight's guest could probably fill you in on that. Great question. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one thing I'm pretty sure they got is some ecto cooler down there. You could probably make up a nice picture of that on a hot Alabama yeah. day. But today's guest, that's uh... <laughs> okay. But today's guest. Chris McDonald and Chuck Bryant of the band Ecto Void could fill you in on all that stuff, tough guy. Uh, I think we're going to have to hit him up on the Ecto line right now. Uh, much better than this Monster Energy Drink Ultra Gold. Ready to go on the phone. Hey, hey, Justin, what did the chipmunk say when Tom walked past him? Get him on the phone. This is Big Will here from Heavy Hole Podcast, uh, joined by my loyal co-hosts, Tom and Justin. And today's special guest is none other than Chris McDonald and Chuck Bryant from Birmingham, Alabama-based death metal band Ectovoid. Did I get all that right, gentlemen? Yep, you got it right. Yes, sir. (laughs) Thanks a lot for your time. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having us. We're glad to be here. Yeah, man. Um, So... We got two of you here. Um, a lot of the times we only have one member here, and, and uh, the listeners know we always go back and ask you a little bit. So, Chris, I'm going to start with you. Chuck, don't feel neglected. We're going to get to you in a few minutes, um, and we're going we're gonna to run down just a little bit of, like, like prior to Ecto Void and prior to you guys uh, getting into death metal. So, Chris, let's start with you uh, uh, before we move on to Chuck. Chris, are you from a particularly musical family, or did you have anyone in your upbringing that was... Um, prone to like, like playing you heavy metal or hard rock or anything like that. Yeah, I definitely do come from a musical background. Um, my dad is a, a huge fan of like you know old rock music, um, some early punk music. Not really metal so much. He never really got into that. Um, he was into some you know kind of some classic shit like Black Sabbath and uh, stuff like that. But he was never into really metal. But he definitely. Um, played me obviously a ton of music as a kid he uh took me back and forth to drum lessons and um was always like super into music and was just super super stoked that i you know showed an interest in music and 
wanting to play an instrument and actually be a musician and not just be, you know, a fan or a listener. So, um, yeah, he was definitely a huge part of that. Uh, my mom, you know, she uh, is a, a piano player and um, sings and everything. Um, so, yeah, both my parents were definitely um, big, you know, big into music and were very supportive of me getting into that. So I was very lucky in that regard. Okay, you said drum lessons. Could you tell us a little bit about, um, uh, like, the situation? With, with like, I, I assume you had, I guess, a, a drum teacher, and sometimes we hear about uh, different personalities with drum teachers, and we get stories out of that. Yeah, totally. Um, I took drum lessons for, I want to say, about four years as a kid, uh, from when I was about nine to about 13. And um, honestly, I mean, it was it was cool, and I, I enjoyed it to an extent, but I never really got into kind of the more formal side of like learning music in that context and like you know kind of reading music and doing a lot of sort of like rudiments and drills and shit like that i never really got into that it kind of felt as a kid almost like another you know after school activity when i just wanted to be home you know relaxing and playing games and whatever but um i did do it for four years my teacher was actually really awesome uh, his name was russ um i went to a school right here in Birmingham where I live um it changed locations a couple times but yeah I mean I stuck with it and uh it definitely showed me that I like you know playing the drums but back then I wasn't I didn't really I hadn't really discovered my musical taste yet I didn't really have like favorite bands or drummers that I looked up to so um it didn't really ignite the fire in me to be a musician at that point um but it definitely showed me that like I could play an instrument you know if I wanted to and a few years down the line you know that's exactly what happened Okay, and and then let's transition for a minute to you, Chuck. Uh, and I should say, Chuck, you know, Chris, we know you're, that you've always been the drummer. Chuck, you've at different times played bass and guitar for Ecto Void uh, and done vocals, right? Yes, sir, that's correct. So could you tell us a little bit, maybe the same question for you. Are you from a musical family or, or an upbringing where maybe there, anyone was uh, partial to rock and heavy metal or anything like that? Yeah, for sure. Uh, both my mom and dad were frequent like you know concert goers and you know uh my mom turned me on a lot of you know heavy rock stuff like you know allman brothers stevie ray vaughn that kind of stuff and uh they were always into you know like pink floyd black sabbath was the band that you know my mom told me about that really just kind of like set it off because that you know turned me on to, like judas priest and iron maiden and just all the other subgenres and just kind of went crazy from there but uh yeah other than just being musical fans no one in my family was really musically inclined but uh yeah i just kind of like started taking music classes in elementary school and kind of fucking off and like you know getting kicked out of class for talking too much or just making too much noise on the guitars not really learning the chords like i should have been but um i had fun with it you know i did a you know regular guitar and then um later in middle school i tried upright bass and they didn't really have a lot of funds for, you know, music classes in Birmingham City Schools. So, like, the classroom was, like, really small. So, I was like, man, fuck this. This instrument's bigger than three of the people in here taking the class. So, I was just like, all right, peace. So, uh, about 14, I got my first acoustic guitar. Kind of started fucking around. And at 16, I got my first bass. And, you know, I was just learning, you know, stuff like Primus or whatever. And just, like, Slayer and just heavier shit. And uh, in high school, you know, I met Chris. And, you know, I heard he you know, was playing drums. And we just... Like, hey, dude, you want jam? It's kind of like how it happened. Oh, that's that's excellent. That's a great place to leave off because I was going to ask where you guys eventually all meet up. And if I got it right, did you guys you guys were in a band called Bloated Carcass uh, together starting in two thousand five? Was that still in high school? Yeah, yeah, that was in high school. 
And was that like first bit? Could you could both of you guys safely say that was like your first you know real band? Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, and at this point, I guess we should mention too that that band was with Michael Stew, right? Yes, he was uh, one of the guitar players, and our friend uh, Ryan was the other guitar player. And uh, Ryan actually recently joined Ectavoid. Um, but yeah, that was with uh, Michael Stewart and Ryan on guitar. It's my uh, Chuck on bass and vocals, and me on drums. Okay, Michael Stewart. Yeah, and uh, re- rest in peace to him. We do know that he passed away um, in 2016. Um, he did, yeah. Uh, 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 one of the f- one of the founding members of uh, Ectovoid, going back with you to your first band, and he played on most of Ectovoid's recorded output. We know, so I say that respectfully. Um, and we do want to get when we get into the Ectovoid story, um, you know, we, we do want to at least uh, ask some questions about him and the legacy he left. Um, but be- before we get to that, could we just talk a little bit? You mentioned meeting each other in high school. Is that also where Michael comes into the picture? Yes, it, it is. Um, Chuck and I are about the same age, and um, we met, you know, just you know at lunch or whatever. And you know, we both wore you know shirts, band shirts we thought were cool at the time, and kind of picked each other out, you know, like you do when you're in you know high school and you kind of hate most of the people you're around, and you sort of look for people that you have shit in common with, especially music. So. Yeah, he actually uh, picked me out and, and kind of singled me out and said, what's up? You know, we just kind of hit it off pretty quickly. And then uh, Michael actually didn't come into the picture until a couple years after that because he was actually four years younger than us. So when Chuck and I were seniors, uh, he was a freshman. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we kind of met him sort of the same way. I think Chuck actually knew him through his older brother um, a little bit before that. But we just heard that he played guitar and he had a couple shirts that you know met our seal of approval, which was... <laughs> pretty rare at the time you know that was definitely a rare sight um so you know it was pretty easy to, to kind of ask him if you wanted to, to jam with us and shit okay so while, while we're on the topic of high school something i wanted to ask um you know us we're up here on long island new york i've been through alabama once or twice um and i actually we we ectovoid performed with artificial brain um Demolich and blood incantation we were in tennessee when i met you guys briefly a few years ago uh, but just for our listeners who aren't familiar with the United States or with Alabama, is Birmingham um, the, the city or is that like the more suburban or rural area? And would you say uh, where you're from is more of a conservative community um, that, that maybe getting into heavy metal wasn't as accepted? Yeah, def- yeah. So Birmingham is and kind of the greater Birmingham area is sort of like the biggest kind of like metropolitan, you know, center, I guess, of Alabama. Um it's definitely the biggest city and it encompasses a lot of different uh, neighborhoods and areas. Um, Alabama is obviously, not, I shouldn't say obviously, like you said, but um, definitely a very conservative state. Um, one of the most conservative in our country for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but Birmingham is actually the most, you know, I guess kind of like liberal place uh, in Alabama, you could say. Um, so, I mean, this is where like most of the bands tend to crop up. Most of the shows tend to happen. Um, you know, other kind of cool places to hang out you know bars and tattoo parlors or whatever um you know shops and record stores and everything all of those are pretty much like congregated in birmingham uh there's probably a few isolated examples in other like more rural parts of the state but for the most part uh, birmingham is definitely where it's at for for music and um there was like always a couple of metal bands from around here but definitely not many at all and we uh kind of noticed that pretty early on that we didn't have a lot of bands to really like play shows with and you know kind of relate to 
Did you ever get any, um, I guess we'll say, like pushback from people in the local community or other younger people um, for being into heavy metal, accused of Satanism, or that's the type of thing that maybe we associate with the 1980s mentality towards heavy metal? Uh, not with us in particular. I mean, uh, with Ectovoid, like, you know, our lyrics, we always kind of tried to stray away from, like, you know, the satanic stuff or even, like, the blood and guts stuff. It was just always, like, just really just dark and necro like type of like just weird cerebral type lyrics you know what i mean mm-hmm. but like we never really got any kind of like you know pushback so to speak because like no one ever really looked into our stuff you know deep enough to see if we were even into that for real because like there's not that much stuff going on metal wise in birmingham for anyone to really worry about it like that i guess yeah yeah when you keep it underground it's not as uh, dangerous i guess um to, to some people but well, well well let's talk about ectovoid because um like i said you guys all came together and you were in this band bloated carcass for uh several years and and i i don't believe you had um or i there's there's not much available to listen to from the recorded output of that band right no nah, not at all we did a few um demos that we kind of recorded ourselves and uh we were always never really happy with them. We didn't really know what we were doing in terms of like, you know, recording at all or any kind of studio work or production whatsoever. We didn't really have contacts to help us out. Um, I mean, I will say our songs for what they were and where we were at the time were really good and we were like proud of that. But yeah, we never did a recording that we really wanted to like push really hard as like a demo or like send the labels or anything. We always just kind of just, you know, recorded the songs and moved on to the next batch. And huh. after a while, we, we kind of, started to get tired of doing that i wanted to kind of move on to a more serious project yeah well about 10 years ago 2011 you released the breathing blackness uh demo the first release by ectovoid you want to take us a little bit like was there because it's because it seems like bloated carcass was pretty much the same uh group of friends group of musicians was there a conversation like we you know we want to change the name we want to change the vibe we want to do we want to step it up a notch or something like that uh, yeah, totally. I mean, we were always into like all the good bands and stuff. We just like enjoyed listening to the music and playing music as well. But like, we just didn't really know exactly what we wanted to do on our own. And then when we finally kind of decided, okay, we want this like dark, just bizarre, just morbid death metal shit, you know, and like serious, like weird name that was kind of stand outish and different and just like be able to like pretty much write about whatever we want and it be as vague as possible but like to where you could like make the song be like whatever you wanted to interpret the lyrics however you'd like kind of thing you know like to be like that kind of like band you know what i mean so that's when we kind of decided let's you know take it a little more serious and figure out what we're doing and you know that's when we just kind of started getting you know concepts together and just kind of getting the vibe for that ready you know Okay. And- yeah, and kind of the, to piggyback off of that, I will say that like kind of I think the 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 real moment was um, Chuck had written a couple of songs for Bloated Cargus that were like a major shift from what we had been doing. They were a lot darker and faster, and um, just had a totally different vibe. And I remember kind of saying to him like, "These really kind of sound like almost like a different band." And you know, like I said, we were kind of getting tired of the Bloated Cargus stuff, and um, we were just sort of wanting to go in a darker direction, and that seemed like a good sort of you know moment to kind of like transition into something else so yeah there was definitely that conversation for sure okay and the 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 sound you guys have 
it's it's interesting to me because like um it, like i said the band goes back about 10 years and then even before that under a different name um right now in the current age i joke around on the show but i don't put anyone down we're in this era of like osdm hm2 everybody aping that sound and there's a lot of great work that comes out of there i feel like you guys predate that as a kind of sensational thing that's going on now as a fad so to speak for lack of a better word and when I think about the sound, especially of your older material, like if I got to draw a comparison, I'm going to say incantation, maybe autopsy. I could keep going on and on. What I'm getting at is there maybe a regional influence or a more obscure influence on Ectovoid, like a band that I'm not thinking of or a sound that you guys were really into over the years um, that, that I wouldn't first place or maybe something in Alabama or in the deep south that I'm not familiar with. Uh, yeah, I'd like to say like maybe around like 2009, we were getting into bands like Necrovation, who were like label mates with us on Blood Harvest, mm-hmm. and like bands like Dead Congregation and Grave Miasma and Necros Christos and stuff like that. And that was kind of like those were the bands we were like really kind of trying to sound like and write material that sounded you know like similar to that you know, um, and you know a little bit of incantation and definite like you know autopsy influence you know with the the doomy dirges and the fast you know like triplet like thrash beats and just all that sick like the bass tone i was trying to go for in the earlier albums and stuff and um yeah basically like here in uh, alabama like at the you know in the early days we weren't able to like really get our hands on a lot of you know good music in the record stores or it, all we had was like basically the internet and some of us didn't even have computers but around like 2009, we'd already kind of like figured out like what our musical tastes were and the direction we wanted to go in musically. And those were kind of the bands that kind of like I think we were drawing the most inspiration from at that time. OK, and I, I, I want to get back to Ectovoid, but something I left out before when I was asking about your, your upbringing musically, something we always get into. Chuck, tell me about your very first guitar or your very first bass, your, your first electric rock instrument. Well, like my first uh, acoustic guitar was just an Alvarez, you know, and, uh, you know, I just basically just was fucking around with it, playing it like a bass, but just enough to, like, come up with riffs. And then, uh, you know, I'd get a whole bunch of riffs together and teach them to, you know, Michael Stewart or Ryan Sullivan, you know, and we would just go from there. But, like, my first bass was just a shitty, you know, Fender percussion bass, and uh, I've had so many others. Like, right now I'm rocking, you know, some BC Rich, you know, Revenge or some shit, but, like, I've always played shitty, cheap guitars <laughs> through, like, you know, really big, loud amps and just, like, riff the fuck out, you know what I mean? So, like, really what kind of guitar I had at the time really never mattered because just as long as I was, like, able to, like, get riffs out and make music, it just really didn't matter what I was playing out of like uh, one of our side projects Seraphic Entombment I'm rocking an Ibanez 7 string and you know it's just funny to me now I'm like playing the hell out of guitar and, you know <laughs> we got decent good like guitars now but basically yeah it just started out really shitty like we all do you know that that's why I always ask because sometimes it's funny to, to hear those we've, we, we've heard some funny um some funny ones I got I gotta we gotta go back and maybe make a best of people's first guitars because we've had some funny stories um but so so getting back into Ectovoid, like I said, the Breathing Blackness demo, 2011. The very next year, 2012, you guys put out your first full length, Fractured and Timeless Abyss, on Hell Thrasher Productions, a Polish record label. Do you want to just take like I I would assume that I guess you made that connection with Hell Thrasher Productions through releasing your demo. But could you take us through that? 
um, getting involved with Hellthrasher Productions. And is Fractured and Timeless Abyss uh, following up the demo, like just a result of writing all this new material and being hyped on your new band? Yeah, definitely. Um, I remember the feeling at the time was that we were like really not not necessarily in a rush, but like we we felt really motivated to go ahead and do like a proper studio recording and do like a full length album because we had been uh, jamming together, you know, playing music together for several years at that point, and we had never done, you know, like I said, any kind of like proper release and anything really more than a demo. Um, so we were, you know, from the get go with this band, we felt it was like a clean slate. We were like really driven to like you know, go ahead and do an album, you know, and just get that done and kind of like, you know, make that sort of uh, milestone as musicians and as a band. And so, yeah, we were really driven early on. Um, we wrote the first few songs for the the demo that were also on the album really pretty quickly. I remember um, they were a lot kind of more simplistic uh, than some of our later stuff. But yeah, we, we were you know, practicing at least once a week, if not more. And um, Chuck was just writing a ton of stuff on guitar and me and him would just get together and, and jam it out and kind of put the songs together, you know, structurally. And um, I was writing, you know, uh, most of the lyrics at that time. And we were just like, you know, it was just a brand new thing. And we had tons of ideas and we were just really um, inspired by that. And uh, in terms of Hellthrasher, um, it wasn't actually the demo. I didn't really send the demo to more than I think a couple of labels and Hellthrasher was not one of them. I'd never heard of them at that point. They were more or less brand new when they contacted us, but, um, we had actually recorded the album and it was finished at that point and we were kind of shopping it around, not really knowing what we were doing. And uh, I posted a song, I think it was on SoundCloud, I think it's what we used back then. And uh, they just emailed us after that and said that they liked what they heard and they were interested in collaborating on an album. And at that point we were just like really stoked because, you know, a label approached us and uh, made that offer and um, we were really, you know, excited about that. So uh, they were really easy to communicate with and correspond with. and. Um, they you know offered to do the layout, all the distribution, and the press and everything, and yeah, we just took it from there, and it, it turned out working out pretty well. Awesome, man! And um, and I know you've also worked with Blood Harvest Records over the years for uh, like vinyl pressings of certain releases and things like that too, right? Yeah, yeah. Blood Harvest, um, we was one of the labels that we had sent the album to, and uh, they were actually really the only one that kind of responded to that. Um, you know, a lot of times when you send albums out to labels, you just kind of send out into the, the void. You never really hear anything back. But, uh, yeah, they responded, and they said they really liked it, and they were down to do a, you know, a vinyl issue, which we were, like, thrilled about because we weren't even really considering doing it on vinyl. And this way we had a label to do the CD and another label to do the vinyl. So, And we, like Chuck said, we were uh, big fans of some of the Blood, Har Blood Harvest artists at that time, especially Necrovation. And so, yeah, that worked out great. And we've uh, kept in contact with Rodrigo since then. And he's uh, done a few more um, releases for us. Are there, I got to ask, are there any current plans right now to repress any of your past releases on cassette or vinyl? Because they're, they're difficult to find. Yeah, um, I've been kind of like shopping around and talking to different people about doing some represses of, you know, some of our older stuff, like either the first album or, you know, getting more copies made of... Uh, our most recent release from uh, 2019, Inner Death, and uh, you know our, our second full-length, Dark Abstraction, just like either getting it pressed on tape or just whatever. Honestly, yeah, just to get more copies, you know, in hand to just send out to people and you know have to sell at shows when that becomes a thing and just whatever, you know. Yeah, um, and and you mentioned shows. Uh, I got to point out your next release is the limited, another limited tape release, hard to get. 
Rituals of Hallucination 2013 live album on Ritual Ugliness. That makes me want to ask you guys about, was that recorded uh, in Birmingham? And can you tell us a little bit about um, Ectovoid's first uh, shows? Uh, was there like a healthy death metal scene? Or did you have to do the like death metal band playing with local cover bands and nobody gets it type of thing? Or Yeah, yeah. The Rituals of Hallucination tape was like a really cult release. Um, that was actually part of a series of tapes that uh, a friend of ours was doing at the time um it was actually recorded in atlanta georgia not birmingham okay. um, atlanta's a really big city about two and a half hours from us and uh they have a really active uh metal scene they've always had fresh metal bands black metal death metal and we played there a lot over the years and um that was actually recorded over there we were asked to be a part of that even though we weren't technically a local band um he wanted us to be a part of it because we were really active in that scene at the time and so um that was a really um a very limited like very sort of you know diy you know release but uh it turned out pretty cool actually but well metallum got got wind of it it's on metallum so that's the, the, yeah i mean it was technically it. an official release i mean it, you know it was distributed and i mean yeah. it, it, it's out there um it uh it was obviously i think less than 100 copies i want to say and they were all handmade and uh hand assembled so Definitely a very, very cult release. Um, in terms of our, our early shows, um, we definitely had some really shitty kind of like standard early shows in the early history of the band. Um, I, I'm not going to say that they were like bad shows. I mean, we had a good time and everything. We were kind of getting our name out there. But um, like I said, especially back then, there was very few suitable bands to play with in Birmingham. And uh, we definitely had some very sort of odd mixed, you know, lineups of playing with fans that we didn't have much in common with and uh, small turnouts and the usual stuff but um we always got a good response at our shows so that you know was kind of a, a cool motivating factor hell yeah man so all right so you mentioned dark abstraction um, which also came out on health thrasher productions uh and um is, you know is, uh, uh issued on blood harvest and different formats um, that album I want to talk about because as a listener, you know, I've, I've been a fan of Ectovoid, like I said, since I met you guys and we played together a few years ago and I reviewed um, the albums today. Dark Abstraction, am I wrong for suggesting that maybe that album sounds like it has a little bit more of an old school Finnish atmospheric, maybe even Norwegian influence in the writing and the riffing? Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I don't know, like... Really, I can't like make a list of bands off the top of my head that I could like compare, like you know what I was drawing influence from at that time. But yeah, that's very fair to say. Yeah, because um, and not to put down Fractured and Timeless Abyss, which I enjoy too, but that seems a little bit more. I guess you might want to say straightforward, a little bit more. Um, uh, I guess aggressive and kind of like an old school death thrash way. Whereas the riffs on Dark Abstraction, there's still that element. It's not a total 360, but it seems like the riffs kind of draw out a little bit longer and present a little bit more of that doomy atmosphere <clears throat> in, in a good way. I, I enjoyed that. Um, and also, so so you, you say that I'm not really too far off with that. I mean, is that part of the? Was that a conscious decision on the band? Like, did you say let's do something a little different from Fractured and Timeless Abyss, or would you chalk that up to uh, natural progression? Uh, I think a little bit of both. I think uh, a lot of it came from uh, realizing that I was just like rushing through what I was writing, and I wanted to like kind of savor it a little more. And I think mm -hmm. that's probably why I changed the structure 
of the riffs and stuff to make it seem a little more drawn out instead of it just being like riff, 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 riff. You know yeah. what I mean? Like all yeah. of them are good. But I want like them to, you know, you actually hear it and like it sink into your brain while you hear it instead of having to hear it 40 different times to get all 12 or 30 riffs in one song. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I will say also um, the production was like a major part of, I think, kind of the development between the two albums, in my opinion. Um, we were always early. So I was pretty unhappy with the production on Fractured and the Timeless Abyss. It was super raw and um you know, we had a good time recording it, but it, it didn't really turn out the way we kind of expected to, which I think is the story that a lot of bands would say about some of their early releases. And uh, Dark Distraction, we kind of knew what we wanted to go for and like, you know, mistakes we made in the past that we wanted to fix. And it came out sounding much closer to sort of like our vision for the band. So I think it really accentuated um, the growth of like, you know, Chuck's riffs and the writing and everything. And um, our playing too was also a lot better and, and we had a little bit better gear. So. Everything was just kind of a step forward, you know, which is what you want for a second album. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that sound kind of continues on in your next release, the uh, 2016 Four Doors to Death split with Sabatory, Trench Rot, and your your own project. I believe Cemetery Filth, you guys are involved in, right? Yeah, I wasn't a member of the band at the time. Um, but yeah, they, they were on that release and they actually, uh, those guys kind of uh, spearheaded that whole project and, and helped um, brainstorm it, I think, with uh, Eric from Unspeakable Acts. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, Cemetery Filth at this point is almost like a southern uh, death metal supergroup of sorts because you have members spread out through Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee, and Florida, right? Yeah, yeah, that's correct. Four, four members, four different states. Yeah, people can go look up your 2020 uh, Dominion album on Un- Unspeakable Acts Records. That's um, uh, it's, it's it's really you know, especially if you're maybe maybe our, our southern listeners want some some really good southern death metal to listen to, man, from their region. I think that's a really good example, man. Oh yeah, yeah. Thanks, appreciate it. Yeah, got to get that out. And I um, so also the the thing though, it, it, the four doors to death split. If I'm not mistaken, that's your last release with Michael Stewart, right? Yeah, that's correct. You lost Michael Stewart in 2016. Uh, maybe you could just tell us respectfully for his 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 musical legacy. Really, talk a little bit just just about what you were what you recollect his his contributions to Ectovoid, to the sound, to the style, and, and that sort of thing. I guess. Well, he was always like a huge part of what we were doing. Um, and, you know, he was from the very first practices, he was you know, just clearly like the absolute best fit um, for anyone we could have on guitar at the time. Um, he was never so much the songwriter. That was always Chuck. Uh, Chuck was pretty much exclusively the, the songwriter and wrote the riffs. And, you know, um, him and I would kind of put the basic structures together. But Michael always kind of put his own um, signature style on it and his own touches. Um, when we started, you know, doing leads and solos, you know, that was obviously him. He would always come up with cool, like, harmonies and uh, extra melodies to add. Um, and he was just a really tight and a really good, you know, gifted guitar player. So, like, we, it really allowed us to sort of expand our, our songs and our writing, knowing that whatever we came up with, you know, he could play, you know, with his hands tied behind his back. So, um, he was a huge, you know, obviously a huge part of the band and, and a huge part of our early years. And would you say that since his passing, um, he's inspired you guys to keep going in a way? Oh, yeah, most certainly. I mean, I feel like as corny as it sounds, like we're up there with bands like, you know, Voivod, who've lost Piggy and like, you know, obviously like Metallica, you've lost like one of, you know, the more like shining star members of the band. Like everyone shines like a star in the band. But it's like 
when you lose someone that important, you're like, holy fuck, you know, especially when you have, you know, music you've made with the, this person that makes you want to like always, you know, keep those riffs razor sharp, you know, to play whenever and just to keep making more music in that vein of that band, you know, just to, I don't know, like just keep it alive, you know, keep them alive because, you know, like whenever we listen to our albums, you know, he's there forever, you know, yeah. so it's kind of how I feel about it, I guess. Yeah, and that's why I asked, just so you guys could, uh, just just so we could in- include his memory in this interview a little bit, because he played such a big part of Ecto Void over the years. Um, and, we, you know, we talk about uh, uh, moving forward um, uh, from that happening. Uh, in 2019, uh, Blood Harvest Records put out your three-song Inner Death EP. Um, that was the first release without, without Michael. Did Michael contribute to any of the writing of that material? Not to my recollection. No, I think pretty much all that stuff was written um, uh, either shortly before he died, um, before he'd really had a chance to introduce him to it, or after he died. So no, that that was that was he wasn't he wasn't really involved in that in those songs. Okay, and and speaking to that release now, listening to it, am I again? Uh, is it fair to say? Am I a little off in saying that maybe I heard something of a more of a grindcore or even a war metal like influence? It was like like more of a, more of an aggressive uh, sound in, in those uh, songs on the Inner Death EP. Uh, yeah, I think that's fair to say. I've been listening to a lot of Arch Goat at the time, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I know like one of the songs on that is like super fast. So I guess that's probably like. It's definitely a grindcore time length of a song, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just like feeling like really ripping at that time, and that's uh, how I feel about a lot of the newer material. It's got a lot of that. It's got uh, just we're kind of like you know throttling you around back and forth. It's like really fast and ripping, but super slow stuff is just like we're co- constantly churning your spiritual energy into darkness. <laughs> All right, man. It's very deep. Uh, yeah, I, I got to call Paul Riedel from Blood Incantation. Get my third eye checked after that. Um. Uh, well, that that brings me to right, right to the next question, then, because I do have to ask. Um, it's been since 2019 when you put out that Inner Death EP. Can you speak to new Ectovoid material? Uh, is it written? Is it recorded? Can you tell us when it's coming out? Anything like that? Yeah, we've got about like six new songs right now. Uh, it's all instrumental stuff. Um, you know, uh, it's about half and half. I've written a, a few lyrics um, for these songs, and vice versa. Like. Uh, Chris has usually always uh, done the lyrics for the band, but I was just kind of like wanting to do something different uh, for this release too. Um, but yeah, uh, we're just constantly churning it out. Uh, just kind of like working on all this that's already written. And yeah, just, we're kind of like shooting for like a nine song album possibly. But yeah, this is going to be a weird one. We want to do a lot of really cool like ambient stuff like in between like nothing too long but just really weird keep it heavy and dark and weird Mm. yeah and i will say um we uh we didn't really start working on these songs heavily until i would say maybe three years ago and uh even since then we had kind of long breaks um we keep you know distracting ourselves with other projects and side projects and doing other bands and other shows and um, but now, I would say in the last couple of years, last really year and a half in particular, we've been um, focusing a lot more on writing for this third album. And uh, it's definitely like our top priority right now. So we're, it's definitely in the works. And uh, we're hopefully, I would say tentatively, going to try and hit the studio by the end of this year, early next year, you know, and, and, and record these songs. Okay. And yeah, you guys definitely have not, um, 
the, the new the new Ecto Void uh, hasn't come out or, or already, not for lack of you guys working on material, because you're also, like we said before, you're uh, involved in Cemetery Filth, and we talked about that 2020 Dominion album, but then you also have Seraphic Entombment. Um, you put out the Quelled demo in 2019. Am I right that both you guys are involved in that? Yep, that's correct. Uh, and could you just talk a little bit about about that band? Like, just just for us and for the listeners, um, how would you say Seraphic Entombment is a different beast from Ectovoid? Well, the main difference is that um, whereas Ectovoid, all the riffs and songs are um, primarily written by Chuck, uh, Seraphic Entombment, all the riffs and all the songwriting is done by me. And um, I had been learning to play guitar kind of off and on over the years, and um, I finally got to a point where I felt like I could, you know, write some stuff of my own and kind of do a, a project that way. And um, obviously Chuck, you know, and our friend Ryan and, um, were the first people I wanted to be involved. But uh, yeah, it's definitely, I'm definitely going for kind of a different style, uh, mainly because A, I, I could never write riffs that are as kind of fast and um, intense as what Chuck does. And uh, I, I definitely, I've always been kind of a fan of Death Doom, uh, certain projects and um we have some. We definitely have some doomy elements in Boy, but I kind of wanted to take that a little bit further and do um, do a sound that was sort of outside, sort of the reach of what we we're doing in Boy, and um, just kind of you know just just do something different. And uh, I'm the singer in that band as well. Um, and like I said, all the all the riffs are done by me, so it's definitely uh, a different sound and a different style, and kind of lets us do uh, different things that wouldn't really fit in Boy as well. Okay, and you mentioned, um, I believe he's your bass player now, uh, Ryan Sullivan, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he's also, if I got it right, in the band, do I say this right, Exaugurate? Exaugurate? Yeah, Exaugurate. Exaugurate. Um, me and him are also in that band, yeah. Yeah, and you guys have been busy too. 2020, you have the Chasms of Rapturous Delirium EP, and then just this year you did a split with Father Be Fouled, who before, when you were talking about uh, like Grave Miasma and, and those bands that were influential, I guess, in the early years of Ectovoid. I kind of, I grouped Father Be Fouled in with that crop of bands myself. Yeah, I think that's totally appropriate. Um, they were definitely like one of the early kind of frontrunners of that new sort of wave of really dark and obscure and ominous death metal um, that was coming out around like the early 2010s. Um, and yeah, we've, we've known Justin uh, from that band for a good number of years. And um so when Exaugurate got off the ground, um, he, you know, expressed interest and support pretty quickly, which we were stoked on. And so that's how that split came about. But, yeah, we're, we're really stoked to be a part of that. Uh, should be releasing here uh, very soon, actually. Yeah, and Exaugurate, I, I believe you guys just did that, um, the Ken's Death Metal Crypt, Crypt Fest. Did I get that right? Yeah, hell yeah. Yeah, we just did that. Yeah, so people people can uh, can go look for that, man, on the Ken's Death Metal Crypt YouTube channel. Everyone should know that. If they're, if they're this far into the interview and they don't know about Ken, I don't know what they're doing. Um, yeah, shout out to Ken uh, for doing that. It's really cool to, like, you know, get bands out there. I know it's, like, super lame, like, no one can play shows. So it's, like, really cool to be able to, like, do that and enjoy it at home, you know what I mean? And uh, we've talked to him, like, uh, Ectovoid's, like, confirmed for Crypt Fest, too. So we're looking forward to doing that as well because, yeah. you know, we're, like, chomping at the bit to play, you know, some of this new material. So hells to Ken. Yeah, that's all. I'm looking forward to that, man. That's great. Um uh, yeah, I, I said, you know, I, we had an episode last week, a Q&A episode, and I, sa- I said, I don't like live streams. I want shows back. But, you know, I, I, I got to get in front of that, man. The live streams are great. It's been supporting the artists and getting get, giving us a chance to get out there and uh, put our music uh, for people and, and enjoy the bands. I just, 
I'm one of those people who's a little delirious right now because I just want to go to a show and drink a beer with my friends, man. But yeah, the live streams have been a, a great um, benefit to the scene during this whole time. 100%. No yeah, man, we feel that 100%. We're so ready for this shit to be over with and to, to get back to, to doing that. We definitely, definitely agree. I, I'm interested because we've talked about this. Like here in New York, they're starting to announce shows for later in the fall. You're starting to see things. I've seen shows in Florida. Uh, like across the United States, every state kind of has some different parameters. In Alabama, what's it like right now for are there bigger concerts going on, but just not the small venues or? Um, that I haven't really heard about bigger concerts. Um, things are definitely opening back up to the point to where, like, I think it's it's pretty much acceptable and allowed to to, to you know play a show right now or to host a show. Um, so I wouldn't really know about bigger shows. Um, I know there's a couple of shows uh, scheduled for uh, in a few months in Atlanta, Georgia. Like I said, which is kind of our kind of our our other you know our, kind of our main scene, yeah. uh, even though we're from Birmingham, but. Um, yeah, like uh, the main issue even before COVID happened was that there were just really no places to play in Birmingham, uh, at least for our kind of stuff. There's really just only a few sort of like small DIY venues. And um, I think they've actually sort of survived uh, all this shit pretty well. So uh, hopefully things will, you know, kind of start moving in that direction again really soon. Hell yeah, man. Well, Good on it, them. Yeah. Rough. It is rough. Yeah. Yeah. Wait. Yeah, it really is. It's very rough waiting it out man um and did you guys actually uh you guys played the was it called mass destruction fest in uh yeah. in georgia you guys played that i believe well the year before covid right yeah that was in uh, 2019 um that was kind of our last sort of big show really um we played well a, a local show after that and then yeah, the pandemic happened, so yeah, yeah, that was back in November 2019. Uh, yeah, I wanted to get down to that, but it just didn't work out with my day job. But I, I do remember that you, you guys being on the lineup, man. In interesting fest, interesting uh, arrangement. Even this year, I looked at their the Mass Destruction Fest lineup. Interesting array of bands, man. Um, def definitely. Yeah, I had to miss uh, Demolition Hammer to go to someone's wedding who I was friends with at the time that <laughs> I'm not even like cool with anymore so ah. I'm still pretty pissed off and salty about that dude I cried like a baby at the side stage watching Demolition Hammer I don't even care like it was one of the best moments of my life is it Ronnie from Malignancy playing with Demolition Hammer now is he I think so yeah wow that's news to me on on drum or which instrument uh, gu uh, guitar. guitar yeah yeah <laughs> oh shit I didn't know that I think that's like crazy. starting 2019 uh, yeah, so if one of the guitarists at Demolition Hammer had like a, a flat brim cap, <laughs> and yeah. that was definitely. <laughs> yeah, that was the guy. Wow, man. Yeah. yeah. Ronnie from Malignancy spotted in the wild, man. Wow, that's awesome. That That's the only way you can make Demolition Hammer is the tougher is if you put Ronnie in there. Yeah, right. Wow. <laughs> Awesome. Well, shout out to Demolition Hammer. I'm glad. I'm glad we worked it back to New York, guys. That's good. Um, We're a very selfish podcast. Yeah, we just we we love talking about New York so much. But well, Demolition Hammer's like the best fucking band of all time. So yeah, they're uh, the Bronx. no worries yeah. redirecting to to their neck of the woods. Great band. We're out here because we got to get them on the show now, man. We got We got to reach out to them now. But you guys shouted them out before we did. Uh, but um, uh, Chris and Chuck, Ectovoid, um, I, I think I already asked you about the new material. Um, uh, you're, 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 you're finessing the stuff that's, be, that's been written. You're, you're, you're finishing it up, I, I guess. Um, usually, uh, and I'll also give the opportunity to plug anything else you got um, at the end, but usually we close out by me asking you, uh, each one of you guys can take a shot to recommend an older and a newer album by any artist you like. doesn't necessarily have to be metal, but we are a little biased on the show. 
Um, just just to, just to recommend something cool to listen to, or uh, something old and something new. Uh, all right, for me, an older album. I'm going to be pretty basic, but whatever. Uh, Rigor Mortis, self-titled. Okay. Um, and uh, as a newer uh, album, uh, uh, that new uh, Superstition that came out like a year or two ago. Like I'm still stuck on that. And uh, Obliteration. Sorry, I got to throw another newer <laughs> one in. <laughs> all right. Like, yeah. Whatever. Those two bands are awesome. Okay. Superstition, uh, Obliteration, and Rigor Mortis. Classic old school band, man. All right. I got to look out for that. Um, uh, superstition, man. I wasn't onto that. Uh, that's why we ask. And- Hell yeah. Um, I was just uh, saying to Chuck before we uh, got on with you guys, but uh, I've been on a huge uh, coroner kick lately. Yeah. Um, I've been listening to all their albums. Uh, Punishment uh, for Decadence and um, No More Color to me are just staying toe to with like, pretty much any thrash you know, release. So, um, you know, if you're somehow not a fan of coroner already and you're listening to this, I'd definitely recommend you change that as soon as possible. All right. And uh, for newer stuff, um, I'm really stoked on the new Grave Miasma full length. Um, I haven't heard the whole thing yet. I have a copy coming in the mail, and uh, I like to kind of usually wait till I get a physical copy to, to hear stuff I'm looking forward to. Um, but the songs I've heard sound pretty amazing. It's been a long time since we've heard anything from those guys. And then uh, I'm also super stoked on the new Antediluvian full length that's coming out. Um, I've heard a couple songs from that, and it sounds absolutely insane, like the craziest shit I've ever heard. So. Uh, definitely put those on your radar. Wow! All right, so you guys, you guys, big up Coroner, Rigor Mortis, Demolition Hammer, and you buy the physical formats. That's these guys are cool. These guys are okay with me. Yeah, they can come back. Yeah, it's it's all good. Um, I love it. Love everything. Uh, Ectovoid, uh, Chris McDonald and Chuck Bryant of Ectovoid. Also, uh, we mentioned Seraphic Entombment, uh, Exaugerate, Exaugerate. I can't. I'm from Long Island, guys. I cannot say that band name correctly. You say it. You're not the only one. It's a exaugurate. Exaugurate. Okay. Um, it's a word that means to like desanctify or depurify. It, it looks like somebody took how I said exaggerate and just kind of phonetically wrote it out. Exfoliate. <laughs> uh, uh, let me uh, let me throw one more in there, um, just not to overlook it. Uh, Chuck and I are also involved in a hegemony, and um, that's more of like kind of a, a bestial sort of war metal sound. Mm. And um, our first album came out last year on Hell's Headbangers, so I want to. Uh, bring that up as well. Thank you very much. See, I, uh, the uh, the uh, the research. I sometimes things fall through the cracks on my notebook. Uh, so that's hegemony on Hell's Headbangers Records with Chuck and Chris of Ectovoid, right? Yeah, um, it may not be connected like on uh, Metallum or anything because uh, we we kind of go under some different aliases. But yeah, um, well, and well, also well, Ryan I- uh, Sullivan now in Ectovoid is also the main uh, architect of that of that band. Okay. Um, so yeah, definitely check out that album. Um, it's still uh, uh, pretty widely available. Okay, you guys let the cat out of the bag on that one. All right, I I didn't expose you on that one, but that's I gotta check it out now though, because I actually I I, uh, I do I do uh, uh, check out the Hell's Headbangers catalog from time to time, man. Like, a lot of hard to get stuff. Um. All right. So uh, thank you very much for your time, gentlemen. We're going to be anxiously awaiting uh, new material by Ectovoid and by your other projects. I hope the listeners go back and check out some of the older material we talked. And I just have to say again, respectfully, rest in peace to your friend Michael Stewart. We appreciate his contributions uh, to the band over the years and uh, that you guys keep going in uh, in his memory. Will do, man. Yeah, RIP. Michael Stewart, um, eternally a part of Exavoid, obviously. And, uh, yeah, um, cheers to that, man. Uh, thanks a lot for having us on the show. We appreciate it. 
Oh, yeah. yeah, man. You guys are awesome. I love your podcast and yeah, everything about you guys. You're fucking rad. So thanks for having us. Oh, yeah, man. Thank you. We, lo- we love everything about you, man. Cheers. That was our interview with Chris McDonald and Chuck Bryant of uh, Ectovoid and many other illustrious underground metal projects uh, that we talked about, such as Seraphic Entombment. Um, thank you very much to them for their time. I've been wanting to set that one, that one up for a while. And as we said, rest in peace to Michael Stewart, uh, member of Ectovoid as well. Um, now, listen, guys, they they came in pretty hard and heavy with the recommendos. They were like rigor mortis, coroner. Right. Demolition happy. Like they, they were kind of clocking you over the head. So I'm not going to be too hard on you guys tonight. I just want some nice, simple recommendations. Give me something cool, and, uh, you know, nobody will get hurt. All right. Yeah, that, definitely. I could do that. Can you do that? I think, yeah. If you don't mind, I'll, I'll start this one tonight. I can, I, I can try to not hurt someone. Let's change it up. You start tonight. So I am bringing in a band, and Ooh. this band is called Goat Rider. Goat Rider. Goat Rider from San Jose, Costa Rica. Hmm, Swerved okay. you. Ooh. Uh, so, yeah, their new record, uh, Ghost Rider's new record, Sunder, with a T, to Sunder. Um, holy crap. Full-on blackened rock and roll. You love Venom. You love Motorhead. You love Bathory. You've heard of ZZ Top. There's Satan in it. It goes super fast. Uh, you're riding around. It's really fun. Uh, you don't even need a skateboard, but like there's kickflips happening all the time. Um, perfect, like plywood music. I don't know for some reason, but it's <laughs> it's like aggressive. And they're all into like Japanese culture for some reason. Like must be a thing in Costa Rica. So it's like Satan and katanas and sumo and just riffs mm. and speed. Uh, and it's fantastic. And like I along for this ride the riding the goat you ride the goat go ride riders. the goat so much fun it um, does have a galloping feel yeah, yeah. i mean uh to- total bathory venom with like i can't like i, I zz top for i'm sure. definitely getting Speed. this venom motorhead thing yeah i'm waiting for the zz top i'm waiting for the part where they just play a really cool blues riff and uh objectify women I'm, I'm curious when that's going to happen. <laughs> Hell, yeah. Both important parts. Just curious as well. Um, so, yeah, check this boy out. Um, or lady. Check these. Check it out. Check I, out the uh, Goat Rider. Ride all the way down to uh, Thrashing Colt Records Bandcamp. Thrashingcultrecords.bandcamp.com. That's the only place where I saw this uh, sold out. It's the only place where I saw it sold out. So, um, <laughs> Dude, but, all those kids that were into hardcore and found out about Obituary and Entombed three years ago, Wait till they find out about this type of black metal. That's oh. all I'm going to say. Dude, mm-hmm. gonna, things will be more fun. Yeah, it will. It, it's time for fun. This it's, is fun. That's Either that or it's going to be I'm like this about. with Blink-182 chord progressions. We're turning in. <laughs> it could go either way. We want to have fun in you know, 21, Ride the Goat, all that stuff. I'm rapping now. That was a rap.
Good rap. Thanks. Good rap. <laughs> and I believe we found the ZZ Top part, too. Fuck yeah. yeah. Solid recommendo, Justin. That's Interesting. Uh, all right, we're done with your fun. <laughs> no more fun. We all know how I feel about fun. Yeah, we're doing anxiety now. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Back oh, to something I'm a little more at home with. I um, Even though I listened to this release that I'm about to talk about probably a hundred times in the last three weeks, because it's great, I'm not prepared to say the name of this release because I oh, never boy. said it out loud. So we're going to try this. Um Esterine, I guess. E S T U A R I N E. <laughs> Reading from far away. Uh, this is the release Nyar Lath Otep. Take it. It's from Tampa, right? Look, we got a one man project, or I would like to say a one maniac project from Tampa. One of the most interesting releases I have heard this year. Uh, this is a, a project in which one guy is doing everything. One guy named Hydrus, a.k.a. Christopher Ryan Scrocky. When I'm listening for new music, I'm looking for things that do not conform to production norms. Um, this is just as intense as any cattle decapitation release, but is so lo-fi and so gritty sounding, and it's more repeatable. I can, I can listen to this more because it's not as punishing sonically. It's like, it's not over-utilizing the headroom of the mix. It just sounds like music. It, there's a very organic kind of blended wall of sound thing going on here that is really interesting because a lot of times with this ultra-blasting style, it is very heavily produced. Mm-hmm. This yeah. is like a good, warm mix. It's very it's nice. I know what you mean. It's strange. There's a lot of, like, there's, there's little synth work that pops in and out. I mean, this release is only eight minutes long. There's eight songs on it. Most of them are under a minute, and then there's one at, like, three minutes. Interesting. Um, but it's the kind of release where you want to listen to it, again, right after. There's Not- there's memorable parts. There's, like, uh, almost like a, a hooky sweeping riff that happens a couple times throughout it. Um, so I really appreciate this guy, um, Hydrus. I really appreciate... His uh, approach to songwriting and his creativity. I think it's really one of the most creative releases I've heard. And um, I got to thank Phil from Phil's Breakfast Metal. He uh, sent me an email with this one. He knew it would be up my alley, and uh, he was dead right. And, uh, man, I I love the sounds. The the guitar is so strange. It's not, like, too overdriven. It really is, like, all the... All the tones and sounds, everything's like well curated. It's like a really nice mix. It, it, I could definitely see how this bears repeated listening and is very easy on the ears compared to some of those more produced, uh, you know, um, uh, kind of, kind of sterilized uh, uh, albums that are out there of the hyper blasting death metal. I, th- I think, like, uh, you know, Colin Marston. Uh, I think we talked to him about this briefly but like people who participate in loudness wars per se 
where they just want to make their mix as loud as possible, yeah, um, really does a disservice. I, it, I I would like to hear like Monolith by Cattle Decapitation mixed like this. It's funny you bring up Colin because not that he's not involved in this anyway, but you could have told me he was involved in it somewhere, playing an instrument or producing or something. I would have totally bought it. But um, but yeah, he, he obviously he's not involved. He's a, a totally different individual, man. Really interesting. Yeah, this was mixed and recorded and mastered by Jamie Amos. I'm not really sure where, but I'm assuming down in Florida too, where this fella Hydras lives. But check this out, Esterine. I'm trying again. It'll be in the Dude. link. God damn it. Um, Nyarl left Otep. Okay, another band, uh, it's funny because we don't, um, we, we show each other what bands we're recommending, but we didn't really know that we were both bringing in Florida acts tonight, Tom, because I got um, from Orlando, Florida, a hop, skip, and a jump away from Tampa, Last Sacrament, a really interesting band that I think should be getting a little bit more recognition, uh, and I'm talking about their Anantiodromia album, if I pronounce that one right, um, from 2013. Uh, which came out on Cult Underground Records, which I believe is ran by members of the band or someone local to them. Um, and I, yes, I am breaking all the rules tonight, recommending something from 2013. But this, I felt like, merited uh, discussion on the show, and I wanted to share it with the listeners because it's interesting. I'm going to read this official statement about kind of what they do. I don't understand this. This is like me kind of like reading from another language. Le- this is what it says on Metallica. Last Sacrament's music requires guitars with unconventional frettings, which the band members built themselves. They currently use 16, 26, and 31-tone guitars and play, quote, the type of death metal we don't see as often, unquote. Additionally, the band uses metatonal slash microtonal scales. Their debut full-length, Maniacal Meditations, is completely recorded in 16-note scales, instead of the conventional 12-note chromatic scale model typically used in rock-based music like death metal. I'm not talking about that one, though. I'm talking about um, their Enantiodromia full-length. But look, uh, maybe you guys could tell me, I, what does that mean? What's going on here? Oh, ooh. Uh, mm. so, okay, so uh, if the listeners want to leave a voicemail, yeah. explain. <laughs> um, look, I... I know what it means, but I am not articulate enough to sure, explain. You, sure it. you do. Sure you do. All right. Well, listen. Sounds like they're using the just uh, guitars <laughs> to write uh, <laughs> death metal. write death yes. metal riffs. Well, listen. It's okay because Big Will doesn't get it either. But what I do know <laughs> is that there are probably some of our listeners who are a little bit more um, uh, musically inclined this way that may understand what's going on a little better and be interested by this. I know it's uh, unique. And uh, musically speaking, as a death metal fan listening to this, it sounds like some amalgamation of old DSide classic uh, tour, first two or three album, Broken Hope, just like made more brutal. I mean, it's it's just solid. It's hard hitting. Uh, like I said, that kind of old um, 
uh, steady, mid-tempo, broken hope. Chug-a-lug is there. Uh, the vocals are incredibly deep and guttural and punishing. And the drums, that kick drum, just sounds like slapping uh, a mud monster in the face every time. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, there is just a low end. If you play this through a system with a, a good bass register, man, this is just low end, brutal death metal. I was reminded a lot, I gotta say, of Broken Hope's uh, Repulsive Conception and Bowels of Repugnance albums in different ways. But then also these guys don't be these guys do betray their Florida roots sometimes. They show you a little bit of that kind of old school classic morbid angel or deicide Floridian style. Um, and I guess you know there is definitely something with the guitar work and the and the tone here that's a little different. Maybe from what I can tell, what they're doing with these these unusual guitar setups, it makes it a lot more low end and kind of punishing. It gives it that boiler room furnace I- tone. So it, it has to do with the intervals between frets. Like, typically you're dealing in half steps. I've seen guitars like this. Um, there's basically more frets. Sometimes it's just on some strings, um, <clears throat> which means that how low it's tuned is irrelevant. It's more about, like, the relation, the correlation between certain notes can be different. Okay. Like, you can access certain things. Like, this is common practice in uh, on a sitar. Sitars are tuned with different micro microtonal shifts. But Got I'm not it. an expert on them, so I don't really... Like, beyond that, I can't really pick okay. them apart. Well, um, these guys haven't put anything out. They put out an EP out after this album and then a, a single out in 2014. Nothing since then. But I do note here on Metallum that in 2020, they've added Dante Wilkins on drums, a new drummer. So that leads me to believe that the band must still be active, at least uh, within the last year, to have added a new drummer uh, and their Metallum be updated. So I really recommend this. Um, I actually bought this on vinyl right from Cult Underground Records, which, as I said, I suspect might be uh, the band members themselves or at least local to their community there. Um, really highly recommended album, man. This is cool stuff. If you're interested in this, these guitar techniques and these special guitars they're using, obviously it's worth a shot. Uh, if you don't care, um, it's still worth a shot because this is like some really brutal, low-end death metal. Um, high quality, highly recommended, man. So so get into this. I wouldn't have brought it in being uh, kind of from, from not from, from the range that we use to, to recommend older or newer albums uh, if, it, if it hadn't been worth it for the You listeners. just, you gotta show the mud monster every now and then. Yeah, you yeah. gotta slap that mud monster in his fat mouth. That motherfucker. All right. This monster I'm drinking is terrible, by the way. Yeah, I, that's the gold can monster. I don't even know what that is. It's a disappointment. It just they. It's they, three dollars more. Yes, yeah, it's, it's three <laughs> three bonus hours. Okay, thank you very much to Chuck and Chris from Ecto Void for joining us tonight, uh, speaking with us, giving us a little history of that band. Thank you uh, to Justin for finding your way to the studio from the uh, desolate shores of Long Island, where you spent the night cuddling an empty tequila bottle mm-hmm. 
Well, as long as the light of our friendship shines bright, I will find you guys in the dark. No, that's um, that's uh, a mag light. It's a, a mag light on the. It's the big one. Oh, that... sorry, that was just my cigarette in front of me. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. don't don't worry. The take carrot, take... the cherry flavor carrot. Yeah, take take another drag. Looks uh, like we made it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but listen, if you want to, uh, if you get lost out there in the shores, in the sands, if you're drunk on the beach, you want to call up Heavy Hole Podcast, uh, leave us a little voicemail from wherever you are. You want to vent. You don't like something I said. Um, uh, Mr. Saltman invades the podcast. Uh, what's going on with that? Why was he trying to fight Will on Instagram Live? I don't know. <laughs> call, up the, call up the voicemail. Let us know your thoughts. <laughs> Tom, what are your thoughts on that? I have no thoughts. I only have Monster Energy drink. <laughs> but but seriously, do you have the phone number? I do. It's 631-837-3274. Wait, well, one more time. They got to get that pen. 631-837-3274. Okay, wait, the pen doesn't have... No, I'm sorry. The pen has... Income. Use the rewind function. That's yeah, the right enough, number. Enough is enough. Listen, uh, call up that number. Recommend some music. Complain about Big Will. Complain about Justin. Oh, please. Yeah. You won't. You won't. <laughs> Do it, please. Double you get, dog you get so much love. Yeah. I don't understand. It's I don't get I it. I don't understand. I, mean, like, I don't get I love it. you, but I love you guys out there. Oh, yo, shout out, yo, shout out to my Dogs fans. <laughs> shout out to my fans out there. Yeah, shout out to all the J Wolf fans. Uh Dangerous <laughs> Thing is out there on Bandcamp. Um, that uh, uh, Don't Get Out of Bed Fest is out there on Masker Merch. Check that out. Good, reasonable price for a lot of bands, a lot of live footage. Um, and we're going to let Mr. Saltman himself take us out of this one. Mr. Saltman, say say, say goodnight to all of our loyal listeners out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, this is the best place to be. My humble little basement with some of the greatest guys you'd ever want to be around. They've taught me a lot. About some great music. I agree. It's my favorite place. Now, Mr. Saltman, yeah, uh, uh, hold on. One, one more thing. We got. You got to take out. You. I know you have a lot of daughters. How many sons do you have? Me? Oh, way more than you see. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> That's even better. That's even better. We're gonna leave that. <laughs> <laughs>